Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, world. We are here. We are Silverstein, and we are very excited to be starting our very own podcast, currently named Silverstein the Podcast. We'll see if that name sticks or if we come out with something cooler by the time this is actually on the internet. We got the whole band today. This is very exciting. How's everybody doing? Yes. Doing great. Doing good, yeah. Let's all talk at once, and then no one will know what's going on. That's the best part of internet podcasts, I think. <laughs> Let's all everybody say their favorite uh, name for the show. Mine is going to be When Pod is Easily Cast. Oh, my God. That's good. <laughs> I think it's good. I'm already regretting coming on this program. <laughs> for everyone that knows, if there's a negative comment, it's probably Paul Mark. Uh, we're going to move on to our drummer, Paul Kohler. How are you doing, Paul? A podcast in the sand. I don't know. That's the best I got. Not bad. Not bad. Now we're going to go to our local funny man, uh, who we all love very much, that's probably going to have the best name. Josh Bradford, uh, give it to me. I got nothing here. No! (laughs) I put too much pressure. Discovering the Potter front. (laughs) There you go. Not bad. Not bad. Misery made me podcast. (laughs) That's right. So for people just tuning in, and I assume... You have no idea what's going on. You probably just clicked a random link on the internet because that's typically a good idea. We recommend doing that. If you don't know what it is, just click on it and you'll find out. Uh, But seriously, we are kicking off season one of this podcast. We hope to do all kinds of deep dives in the future about all kinds of stuff that we have experienced in our very long 22-year career. But we are starting out with our brand new album, Coming out May 6th, Misery Made Me, or Mmm for short. Because it's delicious. It is. They haven't heard it yet at this point. They're going to think it's delicious when they finally do. (laughs) I think so. We're going to try to dive into this song by song. Obviously, we're going to start with the ones that you know already. And this week's episode, and you've probably seen it in the title already, is all about our 2021 hit. Bankrupt. Bang a track. Bangs big time. It's a big banger. So, Mr. Paul Kohler, this came through the pipeline. What were your thoughts the first time you heard this song? I believe it, this was the first song that was brought to the table post A Beautiful Place to Drown, midst of the, the pandemic being stuck at home. So, we couldn't even be together. It was just a MP3 file exchange between the five of us. Yeah, it, it hit really hard. It was like, this is a song that felt different but still felt enough like us and i think we were all pretty eager to like want to record it you know i think we danced around some more material but it was pretty like we could just go and make this song and just see what happens absolutely well i think that's a really good point of where we were at in our lives during 2020 when this song was written 
And I think we need to start pretty much from the release date of the last album, A Beautiful Place to Drown. I'm going to ask you, Paul, because you're really good at these things. What was the release date of that record again? <laughs> uh, uh, March 6th. No, 12th. No? March 6th, 2020, yeah. 12th is when we had to stop doing shows. Yeah, I think 12th we turned the bus around to come home, right? Wait, May 6th, the new record comes out. March 6th, the last record came out. Did Dead Reflection come out on June 6th? Oh, it might have. No, it was like a May 20 or something, or May, yeah, something like that. May 19. If we put out enough records, eventually we're just going to cover all 365 dates. Oh, no. Dead, Dead Reflection came out July 14th. Whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was wow. I Am Alive came out in May. Remember we did that little May mini tour? Yeah. But Dead Reflection came out on Warp Tour. We're kind of just spinning the whole calendar so that every month we can have an anniversary, you know, with like 10 That's albums. Right. We have yeah. like your March, your, your Aprils, your Mays, everything. May historically is a good time for us. Our very first album came out, what was it, May 20th, 2003, 19 years ago. That's fucking crazy maybe may's the hot month i don't know i think so and, and now may 6th uh, misery made me but shane you were talking about back in march 2020 so let's go back to the last record a beautiful place to drown that record comes out may 6th we're on tour riding high feeling great sold out shows finally people are just hearing that record you know they've only heard a few songs and then the, the world shuts down it sure did squashed i feel like we were in Well, I know we were in New York City. We had a sold out show at the Webster Hall. And I think that that was one of the first days that I even really considered COVID. I remember somebody at a restaurant sort of like making jokes about hand sanitizer. Hmm. Like it kind of started to feel that something was maybe about to happen. But then I also remember we were just riding such a high, like the beginning of that tour had gone so well. We had had really great shows in Europe. We had like a pretty crazy couple shows in Australia and, you know, Manila, Philippines and Hawaii. That that trip was a bit of a trip. Um, (laughs) But I felt I felt like New York, there was a turning point where the it was it was album time. It was album day. And uh, there was this looming like what's going to happen next. You felt that? You guys have such good intuition. I was just like, nothing is happening. Yeah, it almost felt like things were going so well. You know, if the shows are sold out and people are enjoying the new record and we're on tour and we're celebrating 20 years uh, of the band. We had been planning this for years. This was the longest tour, doing a two-hour set, most comprehensive set list we've ever put together. We're out there every night having a great time. Yeah, what can go wrong? What, What can stop you? And it's... Yeah, the inevitable. I mean, like, just even globally, like, at that point in my life, I'm privileged enough to, like, live in Canada where stuff is, like, generally peaceful all the time. There are things happening around the world that, like, I wasn't, like, forced to pay attention to. Like, something, there's, like, terrible shit happening all over the world all the time. But it's, like, never affected a tour we're going to do in North America ever. So it's, like, why would this? This was, like, this was something that was happening in China. It wasn't happening here. Like, there's never crept into this shit before. That's the first time especially a pandemic. I mean, you know, it's funny about my memory of it uh, to touch on what you were saying, Billy. I just looked up the date. So so the um, the New York show was obviously March 6th, the day the record came out. But on March 8th, two days later, we played Philadelphia. And I went to the, I believe it's called the Mutter Museum. It's like this, it's in downtown Philadelphia. It's like this kind of fucked up museum and they have like a bunch of human skulls and like some like weird creepy shit. 
and they had a whole exhibit about the Spanish flu of whenever that was, like 1920 or something, right? I like went and read all about it. It was like, oh, this is crazy that that they thought all this stuff about how viruses worked and <laughs> the irony, or I don't even know if that's the word, but just it was so funny to see all that stuff and then like, what are we going to experience for the next two years? But everyone not knowing how viruses work the same way we did in 100 years before. But that was for me the first time when it was like, okay, this is kind of weird that this is here because maybe this will affect us. But still, to your point, Paul Mark, not to the point where I was like thinking it was going to happen. Remember in Canada, we had SARS, that whole thing, that whole scare. And that was like a week or two weeks where it was like some people were worried, but it didn't affect anything. Yeah, it, it didn't shut down shows. It didn't show down, shut down events. I mean, sporting events and concerts still happened during that. I think we even thought at that point, we're like, well, we had SARS. That was a coronavirus. We had that in Canada and, you know, life went on. So we thought it would be the same and it wasn't. Yeah, and literally none of this shit mattered to me until literally you, you everyone was like, uh, they're canceling the Masters golf tournament and all the NBA games are canceled. I was like, oh, okay. This is a thing that we're going to have to deal with now. Uh, I remember specifically, and I think this was, was directed at you, Paul Mark, is like we were playing in Charlotte, North Carolina, our first show before we went home. And we walked off for one of the sets, right? The acoustic set. And I think Spencer, one of our crew, was like, hey, Paul Mark, like they canceled the NBA. And you're like, don't tell me that now. I have to like go play a show. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's like, but it, it, I, I felt like that night in Charlotte. So that was our last show before, you know, we packed it up for a year and a half. I felt like it was probably one of the best shows of the tour because I think in the back of our minds, we knew something was going to happen. So we just played, played it out, you know, let it all out because you never know. But then still it's like after that and coming back to it, you're always like, man, every time you get back on stage now, you have to savor it more. But it's not always easy, right? Because you're like, it's a hard job. It's a hard thing to do. You can't always savor and give your best performance and have fun. Like you have to kind of pick one of one of the other sometimes. But yeah, that really kind of set the bar moving forward. To touch upon what you said too, Shane, um, you know, we had this great show release night in New York. We were like out at the bar afterwards celebrating. The next day we went into the Starland Ballroom in New Jersey. And I think that we actually performed the like best show, you know, of the tour, probably one of the best shows we've played to our career at that point, which we released as a live record. Um, from that performance. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I also, with Philadelphia coming up the next day, I was uh, talking to my stepbrother, Neil, who lives in Delaware, and he hadn't been to a show in a couple of years. He's got like a son who's a teenager now who was going to come see us for the first time. He was so excited to see the show. And at first, the messages were kind of like, oh man, like things are kind of getting crazy. How are you guys feeling? Like, is anyone getting sick? do you guys want me to bring vitamins? Like, what do you, what do you guys need kind of thing? And I was just like, yeah, man, we're fine. Like shows are great. Sold out. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're meeting people every night. It's going great. And then the day of the show in Philadelphia, he was like, sorry, man, like things are getting crazy here. I don't know that we feel comfortable coming to the show. Like him and his wife were like working in healthcare as well. And it was just like, we're surprised that the show's happening kind of thing. And I was just like, you're crazy, man. Like we're doing great. Show's awesome. Then Charlotte, it, it really turned turned a point when we started to hear about these cancellations. Yeah. And I mean, you can get into that tour bubble, right? Where like, you know, you might check your phone, but definitely a lot less than you do at home. You're definitely not watching cable news. You're, you just don't have time or you just get so caught up in either the social aspect or the music aspect of being on the road. So it's pretty easy to be like, I don't know, like I'm just 
you know, I have my blinders on. I'm here. I'm playing the shows. You know, I'm going to go to the next city and everything's fine. For sure. And I agree with that. But it was also things are changing so rapidly. Yeah. You know, most people can remember. And and my most vivid memory was, you know, we talk about Charlotte, North Carolina, which was the last show. And then the day off right after we stayed in Charlotte. And I just remember you were in a Starbucks, like sitting in a Starbucks, Paul, doing band, you know, management work. And I was like coming back to you from the hotel, walking to the Starbucks, being like, are we going to Atlanta? Are we going to Atlanta? And you're like, we're going. And then you'd be like, no, we're not going. Okay, we're going. We, we got to wake up the driver. No, we're going to let the driver sleep. Like this was like literally every 20 minutes, it was a different thing we were going to choose. It, yeah, it was hour by hour. It was like seeing cities fall off and cancel events on the phone with the agent being like, well, we'll reschedule that for a month later. So let's finish this. We'll, then we'll come back to the whatever North whatever uh, part of the country we hadn't hit yet. And then it was like, okay, no, California's going away. Well, we'll just tour up until Arizona. We'll go across the the Southern US. Nope, that's not working. Okay, well, we'll play through the weekend. No, okay, no, we're going home now. Like it was, yeah. it, and it was really bizarre. And some promoters being like, no, the shows are definitely happening. And we're like, but are they though? Like everyone else isn't, why are you? So we could have played two more shows, you know, theoretically, and we pulled the plug on those and, went home early because, you know, at the same time, our prime minister is saying the border's shutting. He's saying, come home. If you're not home, yeah. now is the time. And we're, it kind of freaks us out. After Charlotte, we're approaching the border to go home. It was depressing. It was dark. There was a lot of things going through our minds personally, wondering, are we going to be able to play a show? You know, are we back in two weeks? Are, are, I mean, we certainly didn't think it was going to be two years. But at the same time, we don't know what this thing's going to do. Is it going to kill half the planet? So things were so uncertain and it really led to, I think, a lot of darkness when we got home. And I think that I definitely felt that. And I think that that totally led to that song, Bankrupt. 100%. That that uncertainty, that's like a, a prison in its own way, I think. I'm a super impatient person. You guys know that. Uh, I think anyone who's ever talked to me probably knows that. <laughs> and if you've ever sat next to me on an airplane, which I think you probably all have, like, you know, when you're, oh, we're just in a holding pattern. I honestly, at that point, like, wish I had Xanax so I could just, like, not remember being in holding patterns. Because, like, if they were like, we're going to land in two hours, I'd be like, okay, I can do two hours. I'll figure out a plan for two hours to occupy myself. But it's when it's just like, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. Just like reset the shot clock. Let's go. Like nothing to me is more painful than that. Oh man, that's really bad news for you in 2020. That's what I'm saying. That was literally what happened. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, And and coming from such a scheduled based lifestyle, right? We're like, yeah, Mm. I can be like, Paul Mark, we're home for two months. Figure out those two months. Do everything you got to do. We're going on tour for a month. Cool. Yeah. Like you can, you can compartmentalize your life. You can prepare for that stuff. We have a 16 hour flight to Australia. You can prepare for that. But yeah, uh, going home for two weeks, which turned into two years, like, yeah, you can't prepare for the, uh, just the constant almost lying that a lot of people did and, and manipulation. And then, like you said, there's, there's so many people that started benefiting from this, which was the most frustrating when it's like, all we want to do is protect each other. All we wanted to do was like wait this out and say like cool we'll, we'll sit at home like we want to be out there but we'll we're gonna stay at home and not even see the each other like the five of us like we didn't see each other for so long but then it's like we see all these other people taking advantage of these situations companies exploiting people and, and it definitely inspires a lot of rage and i think that's where this song 
bankrupt really took a very political but timely turn on like what was happening. And it's not out of character for us to comment on society and and especially economics of like that. I think it's important to note, though, that we didn't hear from our prime minister and then like hear about Jeff Bezos, like how his net worth increased by billions of dollars. And like we didn't like get home and like kick down the door and write this fucking song like there was a long period of time where we didn't want to do any writing. We didn't have any creativity. We were pretty tapped out from the last record that just came out, right? March 6th. So, Paul Marks, this is a question for you as the songwriter of Bankrupt. When did you feel like, hey, I'm ready to write again? Because I know it took a minute. I never did. It, it, I, I never wanted to, to make another song. Like, well, it's, I mean, I rephrase that and say... I knew eventually I would want to make more songs, but there was never a point between leaving the Beautiful Place to Drown tour and Bankrupt being written uh, and recorded. There was never a time in that spam where I felt like super inspired to actually go through the physical process of writing music. I felt all those things that ended up being, you know, inspiring and becoming the lyrics to and even just the energy of Bankrupt. But it, it was just Paul, basically like me having my daily or every other day, like complain sesh with Kohler, sending him a bunch of texts about how much, you know, I, I hated what we we're, you know, what we, not the band, but the world was doing. Yeah. And he's like, write a song, write a song. Why don't you write a song? Why don't you just go home and write a song? Oh, you're already at home. Why don't you just stay <laughs> home and try writing a song? You haven't left your house in two weeks. A great time to write a song. <laughs> I mean, it was way more than two weeks. I think I, I can check the date of the- Was it no, like November rings a bell to me? I don't know why. It November does seem right. I'm going to check when the session was created. I, can, I have it right here. Did you say no- November? It was that late? Yeah, dude, it was a long time. It might have been October. Let me see. Yeah. Created. October feels feels right. Created October 21st. Okay. So that was when I started working on this song, which was the first song I had started working on, period. So we're talking about six to seven months, Yeah. basically, of sitting at home, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. Oh, we're going back on tour. Oh, we're not. It's funny because... I, we might be opposites in a lot of ways, Paul Mark, and I think you, may, you and I both know that. But I think if someone had told me instead of 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, that it was going to be two years, I might have just killed myself, honestly. <laughs> no, I mean, hey. <laughs> or I would have been so fucking panicked about, like, what am I going to do for money or something, you know? And, like, we figured it, we've all, everyone figured it out, I think, you know? Yeah. Like, well, how? I don't know. I think that's why they didn't say two years right off the bat, honestly, right. is because I think the yeah. markets would have gone nuts and everyone would have sold all their assets. And then it would have, not that it, you know, I'm not an economist, but, it, uh, you know, they say like the economy is in good shape, but like there's the wealth gaps like worse than it's ever been. And so obviously this has exacerbated those problems. But dude, I don't like joking about suicide, but I'm not. Joking when I say I might have to, honestly don't know. That would have felt like a, an absolute death sentence to me. It's coming out of what we had come out of, like yeah. just how high we were riding on that release and that tour. Like, yeah. I always equate like two sides uh, of like musicians. There's like the ones that were just at home. Maybe they were just writing a new record, hanging out. And then the ones like us that were releasing a record on tour. I think those two groups of bands had different experiences. From both of those groups, their follow-up would be different as well. And I feel like you wouldn't have got a song like Bankrupt had we not been through what we'd been through and the arc that that year took. And it wasn't just come home, sit around until Palmer writes a song and then boom. It's like we were still keeping so busy, almost to the point that we were pushing ourselves really hard so that we could just be distracted, I feel. At least like that's what I yeah. felt like. I never 
kind of like set, sat back and relaxed. And I don't think any of us did. I mean, like, I think as a group, we, we, we never said, okay, let's take a deep breath and not do anything for a month. Like, no, every single month, whether it was quarantine, our first live stream recording Redux two, the Twitch streams. Yeah. There was just so many little projects that we were just doing. And I know I was pushing Paul Mark to write, because if you're pissed off, what better time than have an emotional moment and let it come out over a, a song. But yeah, I mean, hear, hearing Bankrupt for the first time, whatever iteration it was, I don't think even had like a bridge or anything at the, or a breakdown at the, at that first time, but it, it was definitely striking. And I think with anything, anytime Paul Mark said something that feels out of character, he's just like, is this us? Is this, is this, us? and then it's like, yeah, why can't it be? Yeah, that's a thing that happens where we talk about song or an idea and we say, is this us? And then inevitably, once I put my voice on it, it kind of just turns into us, which I guess is good for our fans. Um, I personally loved Bankrupt right away. Like, I loved the riff. I thought the riff was so... Um, well, Paul Mark likes to use the term bonehead in a, in a good way, though. Meaning just, like, very simple, but in a way that's just, like, it doesn't need to be anything more than what it is, and it rips. And that, to me, was... When I heard the riff, I was like, oh, yeah. This is just one note going up and down, straight-ass drums, but it, 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 hit, it hits fucking hard. I think Paul's, like, the confidant of everyone in the band, for sure, so, like... I definitely hit Paul up before anyone else usually be like, is this going to fly? It's early goings, but like, is this like way out of left field? And he's always like, no, it's fine. Shut, shut up. It's good. Finish it. <laughs> and like Shane, to your point, everything always does sound like silver scene once you get on it. So it's the most freeing thing. I think like trying to be creative, knowing that the only box that exists is the one I'm putting myself in because wow. if I just let all that shit go, you will find a way to make it yours, which is like the, the coolest shit. So like Bankrupt, yeah, it was more bonehead, I think, than anything I've ever brought it to the table or maybe more than we've ever done, really, that I can think of. But like, it doesn't sound bonehead with you on it because there's like so much emotion to the performances and it, br it brings that to life for me, all that anger and aggression and callousness I feel towards <laughs> the subjects of that song. Well, uh, we've got something cool here. Paul Mark was able to go into the depths of his computer and pull out some old recordings, some early recordings of Bankrupt. And speaking of me, uh, I'm not on this. And I'd yeah. love to play everybody this demo, which is an early one that has um, Paul Mark singing the clean vocals and uh, a different fellow doing the yelling and screaming. What was his name? I forget. Yeah, Mark. He's a Swedish guy. His name is Marcus. I'm going to butcher his last name. I think it's Vidsater. <laughs> it's got two A's. I believe both have umlauts in a row. Um, and, and he has a writing partner who has a similarly Swedish or, you know, Nordic looking last name. His name is David Straff. Again, with the two like A's with the umlauts. But I think maybe Paul connected us when I was like, I don't want to. Like, I got nothing in my brain. Like, I need. I need a, someone who's like completely out of, you know, my circle to like talk to and someone in Sweden who's like going through it differently than I am was an interesting person to do that with. So, uh, yeah, Marcus uh, is the early writing partner on this song, him and David, and that's Marcus doing all the screaming. All right. Well, we're going to play this uh, song. Never before heard early demo version of Bankrupt. Here it is. Bankrupt. 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 
Nice scream. Thanks, dog. Whisper scream. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. 
Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. It's really interesting, I think, some of the subtle changes that you hear. Because the song, you know, has a lot of the same, the same things, but... There is an element, I think, that maybe my voice being absent does change it. I don't know. It's hard now to like hear it that way when we've are obviously heard it a million times the original way. But um, you can, you know, I think there's you can hear that that there was some magic there, um, even pretty early on. Dude, I always go through that change twice. Like when we start tracking with you, I've heard it with my voice on it a zillion times, and then your version sounds foreign to me. All the demoing and tracking, and then mixing and mastering by the end of it obviously the album version is the only one i can think of and then when i go back and hear an early demo with me on it i'm like this sounds crazy i get to go back and forth on it it's not a privilege it's a burden (laughs) (laughs) it's a weird thing you know i mean the way that some of the songs are written these days we've been doing for the last couple records but uh, especially with covid we didn't write together paul mark you didn't write with other people in the same room you were doing it over zoom calls and everything else and that's a weird strange way to do things that's completely only happened in the last two years well, to that point as well i think what is interesting and, and obviously paul mark you comment on it as well is that usually you are limited by geography what you for for co-writes and, and working in collaborations and even with us or other people but it really brought the world to you, right? Or to any of us. It connected more people in a quicker time than normally allowed. And everyone was more available. Hitting up people like, hey, do you want to work on something? They're like, yeah, I literally have nothing else to do. So sure. That's true. It's That's definitely like the optimist. Like that's the yeah. glass half full version of how that works. It's kind of like, oh, before I used to have to go to the movie theater to see the new Batman movie, <laughs> but now it's just streaming right into my room. It's like, is that really better though? Like I guess. Right. So like people have more time and you could, you know, you didn't have to get on a plane to go right with somebody. But I, I mean, I'm sure everyone has their own process. But for me personally, like really miss, especially how much did you miss human interaction in COVID? So like to be already be feeling that way and then go to do this thing that I love because it's like people in a room and getting that energy and forming those relationships and then trying to make some art, like to have to then retrofit that to the like new COVID model was like, almost I had to like psych myself up to not be bummed about that, just opening the Zoom call. And like, that's a weird place to start emotionally when you're trying to make music, I think. But because that song was just a pissed off song, I almost got to keep some of that pissed off energy and I hope I wasn't too, I must've been like the worst dude to talk to for Marcus and David. I sort of feel bad because they were really stoked and I was like, yeah, everything is fucking stupid and I'm mad about it. I don't know what's going on in your country, but it sucks here. Well, you might be able to hear that in the lyrics, which I'd like to dive into a little bit later on. We're going to play an acapella version of the song. I know Paul Mark loves this and I actually got to listen to this earlier acapella and some of the vocal effects that you just don't hear when the you know when the music is is there are, are pretty wild. So we're gonna get to that in a bit, and we'll talk about the lyrics. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the new studio we recorded Bankrupt in, called Jucasa, outside of Hamilton by about twenty minutes, about an hour and a half maybe from downtown Toronto, and it's on a native reservation, which was 
a different experience for us and we lived there throughout the process and it was pretty cool making Bankrupt. One song, we only had to focus on one thing at a time. It was like, we're going to go in, we're going to spend, was it three or four days? And we're going to come out with only one track, which I, f I feel is always a really cool, hyper-focused way to make music. What was unique about the Bankrupt session too was that there was really no deadline, right? Like we imposed that ourselves. Um, Sam, our producer, who had previously worked on the Redux stuff and A Beautiful Place to Drown, had heard the demo of Bankrupt. They kept being like, can, can we just go record this? And, I, and then it got to the point, it was like, yeah, let's just book four days at this studio and just go make this song. And when is it going to come out? Whenever it's ready, whenever it's done. There, there wasn't really any, because I mean, the album wasn't even a year old. This was in February, 2021, just short of a year of A Beautiful Place to Drown. And now we're making a new song. And, and like Shane said, spent spent all this energy on just one song, even probably more time than we needed for one song. The last day was pretty much just listening to it on full full volume and being, you know, stoked on what we created. But it was very much like, can the five of us just get into a room and be creative and and, and not allow anyone to stop us? Yeah, it was super incredible to <clears throat> pardon me. You haven't talked in a while, Josh, so it's uh, it's OK. Yeah, I know. It's uh, <laughs> choking me up here, as is the subject matter. Yeah, it was incredible to get back into a room together like I feel like it might have been the first people I had seen outside of you know hanging out with my wife uh to get into a studio and and work on some music with you guys really felt like a turning point in the uh in the pandemic for me boy were you wrong though I know but <laughs> at, you know at least it was something to do <laughs> it was like a, a, a great outlet for that frustration and anger that we had all been experiencing to to be able to actually do something productive with that felt game-changing when did we actually go in was it february yeah february 21 yeah. yeah that's like important to note that it was almost a full year after we had pulled off of the tour you know for sure yeah, and I mean, we've done some things, right? We did the quarantine documentary from home. We did the Next Level live stream. We did the Out of This World virtual concert series. We also did a drive-in concert. Remember, we did everything yeah. possible. We were on Twitch twice a week. We were doing everything we possibly could. Um, but, but Was but, that before Bankrupt? All of yeah. that was before bankrupt. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. but then bankrupt to me, at least, and this is my, my reflection of it, but like was kind of getting back on track because making records every couple of years, getting back in the studio, making new material, that was normal. Everything else we had been doing up to that point was not normal. All of those projects were different. So just being like, hey, we can just write and record a new song and release it. And we know how to do that. And we are going to do it better than ever. And, and, I think we exited that session feeling pretty confident about the song. Like, I think that really yeah. gave us a bit of energy for a while. Go ahead, Josh. We love playing shows, performing live music for a live audience. But let's be honest, live streams and the drive-in show were just a, a way to kind of scratch the itch without fully satisfying it. You know, none of that felt normal or really all that good. So this was the first thing I think that we did that really felt like uh, progress. Yeah, all that shit was decaf. And then we <laughs> go to the right. studio and we got a fresh pot of the good stuff. And we drank a lot of coffee during that session. We had that Mocha Master. Oh, it was going hard. Okay, we're going to get into uh, some other things like the video. We're going to have our video director actually pop on here, which could be awesome. I want to play something super exclusive 
no one has heard, including most of the band and not even me until today. This is an alternate chorus idea for this song, Bankrupt. So listen to this. Here we go. There's going to be screaming over that. Yeah. The run at the end is sick. It's very protest the hero. Yeah. No, it, it's it's funny. I, I wasn't even... When you played that for me earlier today, I was like, I didn't even know what song it was for because it seems so foreign from what Bankrupt became. It's, it's almost... It's kind of upbeat, right? I mean, like I said, I just like... I didn't feel like I had my best writing like I didn't feel like I had like my chops up like the way they they need to be I think when I'm working at my best I think things like things come quickly to me and I can like identify what's good and what's bad fast and uh because I didn't feel that way and bankrupt was pretty left field it took me a lot of tries to find the chorus that like gave me the payoff that I wanted that like wasn't too cheesy and like wasn't too Mm -hmm. stock I honestly think it, it was like finally listening to a Michael Buble cover of uh feeling good is that you know this song i'm talking about and i'm feeling good dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. and i was like oh maybe something with like that chromatic drop and it would be sweet and i just boneheaded it like straight ahead there you go because it's yep. like that's what the song demanded and i was like oh yeah that's like this is it this is what it is i can totally hear that it's like almost like this chorus that we just heard the alternate idea it was almost like a reactionary to the bonehead it was like i gotta do something flashy and like catchy and like cool when like yeah and it's like no that's not what the song the song is dark depressed we don't need to make it happy and i think that that was the magic of the song in that moment Uh, i have a hot take i I still believe bankrupt chorus the final that we produce is top five choruses we have i think it like it's it stands up against a lot of our material dark and and powerful and and just direct you know it it is really really uh solid i have a chorus that i wrote too actually here and i don't know if i want to play it because i think i want to use it for something else eventually because i think that it's really good no one cared about it so i don't know if i should play it or not i remember it hey i'll play it we we can decide later here we go It was good, man. I remember it. Yeah, I I thought it kind of jammed, but it's definitely different than yours. And again, it's got it like a bit of an uplifting feel, maybe. Yeah, I think it. that's why it didn't fully connect with me totally, because like I think it's strong, but it definitely had more of a more of an uplifting kind of theater vibe. That is. It very definitely cool. feels a bit theater. Yeah, like very yeah. much like the the character jumps into the spotlight. Totally. And yeah. Gives it to you, but in, in a really big way. It sounds like uh, maybe like the the big hit from the like next summer blockbuster. Like it's like the new Spider Man soundtrack. 
That's not a bad thing. Yeah, we like that. Yeah. Well, if hey, if if you hear if you hear it on the next record, then you'll know you'll know what what happened. Can you try that melody over that other chorus mu- instrumental I sent you? Which one? Boom! There's a new song. The one you just played. The, my the chorus of mine that I didn't use, and the chorus of yours that we didn't use. If we take your vocal and the other instrumental with the with the run in it. Oh boy. It's worth trying it. It's just, hey, it should I'm be the not right against, key. I'm not against it. So we're writing we're, songs we're, on the podcast. We're now. writing songs That's on the happens. podcast. This is this is what you need to tune into Silverstein <laughs> the podcast. What is it? A, a a what in the sand? Cast into pieces. Cast into pieces. <laughs> there you go, Josh. Cast into pieces. Yes. Yeah. I knew he would come through. <laughs> I knew he would come through. I think this is a really special song and it came at a special time and I'm really glad we're talking about it. I'm excited to bring on our video director for this song, um, and for many of our songs, Mr. Wyatt Clough, he is just the man, isn't he? How many videos has he done for us now, including the ones that we did this weekend? I've seen way too much of him, so it's got to be a like... A dozen. I know. He, we're probably in like the dozen territory with him, I feel like, at this point. I think yeah. I have a list. Let me see if I can reference it. I mean, he's made five videos for Misery Made Me, so there's five. Easy. I'm going to get a beer while you add all this up. <laughs> he did the, the live streams that we did. Yes, yeah. he did. He did the live streams. I mean, the Out of This World was a particularly shining moment. But look who just arrived. We've got Mr. Wyatt Clough. Hey, man. How's it going? Welcome to the podcast, guys. <laughs> uh, it's, it's our podcast. Uh, you're hijacking Wait. <laughs> this is a, the podcast we interview Silverstein. Uh, welcome. Uh, okay, would, would you like to ask me a question? <laughs> I didn't prepare anything. It's kind of a free form. Well, you're a freaky dude. <laughs> First of all, follow follow Wyatt Cloth at Wafka for all your photo and video needs uh, of band and other cool art pieces. Um, are you tired after this weekend? Oh, I'm exhausted. I got home last night, threw, on, uh, threw a Shrek 2 on TV. Just really... <laughs> for know, some inspiration? Down. <laughs> yeah, I'm not wearing a giant green man suit next time. I know you would get me to do all kinds of freaky stuff, but that I got to draw the line somewhere. That's the dream. I'll do it if you uh, are a donkey. I'm donkey. No, if Shane plays donkey, I'll I'll, I'll wear the fat suit and painted green or whatever. Like however you I'd, would do Shrek. I somehow would prefer the donkey in this situation. Yes, yes, I would. I wish we were already talking about the next song. It's ogre. <laughs> <laughs> there it is well um we're talking about the song bankrupt wyatt and this was a video that you directed for us it was i mean i don't know if it was the first video music video you directed in a little while because it came at a weird time you know we we i believe we would have done it around march of 2021 right. yeah and um you know we went to that big giant like art event center place and we had explosions and it was it was quite a video i think it was actually like a christian community college <laughs> exactly <a> museum. <laughs> yeah okay. i was surprised they let us do it in there to be honest just given what we wanted to do yeah i was too yeah they, they said that the floor couldn't catch fire so we were good that was like Uh-oh. the prerequisite and that they had right ample fire extinguishers and exits in the event of an and, emergency. And that definitely was the theme of the video was fire and explosions. Uh, Wyatt, 
were you just really angry and wanted to blow shit up? Like, where did this idea for the treatment and, you know, putting that all together? And, and also, like, when you write a video treatment, how much of it is, like, what you want to do versus what you can actually pull off? Uh, that's a loaded question. There's a lot of ways to answer it. But the <laughs> concept for that video, Paul Mark and I met in the park, and we were discussing the themes of the song Bankrupt, and we were just, like, felt this sort of, like... Uh, like everyone was put in a pressure cooker being at home and watching all these people get really rich while we all just lost money and like basically couldn't work and watched all this like horrible stuff happening and <clears throat> the misinformation happening and um, the top 1% earning like so much money um, during that time that we just felt like we could write some really like clever narrative or we could just like express how we were feeling and what that song was about in like the most impactful visual way, which was just like rage. <laughs> so that video yeah. just was as many explosions as we were allowed to put into one thing. And the, fortunately the uh, pyro guy had been off tour. So he had a bunch of like expired stuff that he wanted <laughs> to get rid of or nearing the expiry date. So he was just like, fuck it, we'll wire it in and see what happens, man. I, Cause I remember we were just drinking beers in the park. And it was sort of just nice to do that, but we went on very deep on a bunch of different bizarre, super complicated, like heady treatments that like never felt right or we like couldn't make them say the exact right thing. And then I'm I took like two seconds to arrive at the bonehead solution, which is like, let's just have shit blow up, which is yep. you weren't here for yeah. the, our earlier conversation about the song. But like part of the magic of that song is just always opting for like the bonehead part. It's like. It's not trying to be complicated. It's just like simple and direct about like its emotional intentions. And I love, I didn't even think about it that the video arrived at that exact same point. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I didn't know that you did that uh, when you were writing the song. I was just working off the themes. We had, we had a really, really good one that had like skins and like pay to play, uh, like variations of the video that you could like change like in augmented reality or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's a way overly complicated <laughs> version of like what we were trying to say. I remember even like you kind of going down the rabbit hole of like, all right, we're going to do set up this shot and like we're going to do the blow it up. Like we're literally going to blow it up. We're going to bring all this production in. And, and you're also you're going to shoot some on like the raw, like black and white film too for like a nice gritty grain texture. And then it was like, well, what, what else are we going to like splice in? It was like, I don't think we need anything else. Like, well, like you know what I mean? Yeah. I think like, it's going to have a stylized approach from the way you're going to shoot it. Mm -hmm. I think that's enough. And, and the video never gets boring. Yeah, I forgot about the black and white stuff was supposed to show like the, the way you can perceive to like the same thing unfolding through different lenses or different mediums to look completely different depending on how you're viewing it. So that was kind of like how, why we introduced the, the two uh, camera options. So how did you get in touch with Nickelback slash Metallica's pyro guy, Jim? Cause he was, uh, he was the real MVP. He was something else, dude. He was he was a wild guy. That was through Soundbox. Uh, Colin just like knew him. Yeah, cause cause we all had partnered together. Wyatt had directed like the Out of This World concert series. We partnered with Soundbox Productions, all local people that have been out of work, right? Jim himself included, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and then it was just like let's just put it together. I think we started with what we wanted, and then we found out how to make it work. Right? It was like. If we're going to blow it up, we need a place that we can do that. 
<laughs> we didn't. The location yeah. was the last thing we confirmed for this video. Usually, it's kind of uh, essential. So let's talk about the big kaboom. Um, obviously, the song starts. <laughs> the big I just kaboom. Think it's a, it's perfect. Obviously, in this case, you mean that literally. But I, I would like to say that, like, instead of like, let's talk about the elephant in the room, or like, you know, let's. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, I like it. When you're about to let the cat out of a bag, let's talk about the big kaboom. <laughs> well, I mean it literally. I remember we had shot the entire video, you know, and all the, the with the flash plot fire and all that stuff and everything else. But we saved the big kaboom for the end because, well, we weren't really sure what was going to happen. And what I do remember is the entire room filled up with smoke. And it was a bigger kaboom than we anticipated. Oh, it was the biggest kaboom ever. He was using like um, <laughs> that like white phosphorus stuff that is like blindingly bright. <laughs> and we were shooting on an Ari Mini, which is like a top tier camera. It shoots raw footage. But for some reason, uh, Scotty, the DP and I were like, you know what? We should shoot like not in raw because then we're going to save so much card space. And that's going to be like, we're not, we're not even going to have to change cards. Which means like what you shoot is like what you get. Whereas raw, you can change the exposure level and the ISO and the white balance. Like you get all this data that you can mess with. So it really saves your ass if anything goes wrong. And we light off the big kaboom and it's like the brightest light that any of us have ever seen. And it just like whited out the entire camera. So we were just like, oh, fuck. Like we didn't capture any of that data and we didn't have any more kabooms. And then the like mushroom cloud that was created like came down on us and we all had to run outside and we were like pulling the cameras out with us so we could check the footage and it just looked like a white screen as soon as it went boom um but we were able to get uh the colorist was able to actually bring back a bunch of the data so the the file was okay but it was very very scary would you say that's one of your one regrets in life is not shooting that that was one of my top 10 yeah Because, like, it looks sick. There's, like, no complaints. But I can't help but wonder what it would have looked like if you had shot it in RAW and you could have brought the exposure and ISO uh, up and down accordingly uh, enough. Yeah. I think it's important to note, too, that, like, over 50% of the budget for the video went towards this one explosion. Like, (laughs) Yeah, it was a huge chunk. You couldn't just set it up again. It's like he he made these bombs at home. Like they he had spent all week like drafting these little explosives. <laughs> not only could you not set it up again, but the building was like uninhabitable for hours after the fact. Sorry, Christians. <laughs> well, they came to check it out and they loved it oh. when they were watching us film, so Okay. I don't know. Turns out Christians do like to have fun after all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wyatt, uh, well, next time, Wyatt, you, you just got to raw dog it. That's uh, that's what you've learned from this. Did he leave? No, <laughs> he's still there. Okay, your camera turned off right as your camera turned off right as I said raw dog. I was like, oh, should I really interview offended? over? <laughs> Goodbye. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, though, kind of though, interview is over. Now we got the news on the big kaboom. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, well, th- thank you for having us. Now uh, we'll send you the check. Um, what? Uh, Anything else to tell the people about this video that you can remember that's interesting? Bankrupt? I can't really remember anything other than uh, the guy had set up all those the little bombs that he was going to light off. And then he didn't like put up signs that were like, don't 
stand here. So people kept stepping over them and he would be like, whoa, bro, that's a landmine that you were stepping over. If it goes off, it's going to fucking fuck you up. And we were all just like, why didn't you like put up a little sticker or something like to let people know? But he was just like individually telling people when they did it, which I w- was super funny. But that was uh, one of my memories of that day. Okay. Anyway, enjoy the podcast, guys. Thank you so much, Wyatt. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you, buddy. I want to do a bonus episode where I interview Jim about things that go kaboom. (laughs) I like this. I like this idea. We're we're already talking about bonus episodes, and this is the first one. Love it. (laughs) And a fake commercial for Jim's Crazy Explosions right off Dundas. Jim's Kaboom Shop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, awesome. Well, that was Wyatt talking about the video. Do we want to do this acapella thing? I love hearing it. Yeah, yeah. Put a little taste. All right. Let's um. Let's get tasty with this. Is a never before heard, unless you produce the record or maybe mixed it or something. Acapella version of Bankrupt featuring just me. <laughs> let's actually no. It's not true. Paul Marks actually singing on this too. Uh, here we go. Now we wait for the verse. How'd you do that you know bass drop with your mouth, man? <laughs> I don't know where that bass drop came from. I must. Hail to the king of vanity. Praise to the lord of hostility. Hallelujah. What's the bottom line? New day, same God works every time. Take it all till there's nothing left. Never believe the word that you said. Destroy our you are become death. Sell out cash in, but you'll always be. I'm waiting for an answer. Life is a disaster. We're going through. Going going through. Time keeps on moving backwards. The world is a cancer. Coming for you. Well, who's the fucking king? I won't be bowing to power, I'll never kiss a ring! Fake fortunes on the backs of the unfortunate! Stock options only offset the loneliness! Money talks, but time's going deaf! Can buy back the life that you spent! Destroy our you are, become death! Sell out, cash in, but you'll always be! <laughs> I'm waiting for an answer! That's a lot of vocals, man. That's crazy. Can I get a little more? All right. Everybody's got a knife to their neck. If they're coming for them, they're gonna come for you next. Nobody, nobody's life is worth as much as a check. They're gonna sign it in blood with the tip of the bayonet. Pretty crazy. Oh, I love the delay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it's pretty sick. There's some there's some cool shit in there that you really don't hear, you know, when it's just the full the full thing. So I like it. That's like got to be like 10 tracks, maybe more. It's I think it's more. I uh, don't have it open anymore to tell you. But yeah, it's a lot of tracks. I think that was the beginning of more everything. We really threw it all at the wall on bankrupts. And, and you can really hear those vocal takes like that. That's a year of sitting at home right there. That That is that is a year of frustration. Definitely when, like I said, you know, we went into the studio to just do one song. I think that you do not to say overthink it, but you do make sure that you're covering all your bases because you have just you're hyper focused on just one song so yeah i think there was up around seven to ten guitar tracks as well layered on top of each other like a big guitar lasagna delicious Mm. (laughs) so the acapella version of the song paul mark i mean you wrote the lyrics to this song hearing it like that did anything jump out at you um specific lines or anything or any like sort of things that went through your mind writing it that kind of came back just now Oh man, like nothing in specific, but just hearing the performance of all those lines, like the certain, like in the second verse, when you say, uh, I won't be bowing to power, I'll never kiss the ring. And it's got this like kind of low dissonant harmony on it. Like it has this, like it evokes this like robot drone energy to me, which is like exactly what I was, what kind of meaning to say, like, I won't be bowing to power. Like it's like, I don't want to be like a, Someone that just gets taken advantage of by the people who are, you know, telling me to do shit. And so that really, that jumped out of me right away to listening to it. I guess it's maybe one thing, but so I, this is maybe more on the funny side, which is not really the vibe of this song. But I, when we, <laughs> we got to that bridge, the lyric, the deck is stacked, the game is rigged. I remember listening back, like, I think, I don't remember how many takes we had you do of that, but... I just really didn't want it to sound like the dick is stacked. And it was like very close a lot of times. <laughs> and I don't know if we ever told you like we're looking for less dick in this take, but uh, that is definitely something I was looking for when I was on the other side of the glass. <laughs> well, it goes back to my raw dog comment. It all comes full circle. For sure. Yeah, that's, that's funny. And that's like something that happens all the time in when you're making records, like no matter how serious the song or the subject matter like it's always lighthearted in the studio like everyone's always cracking jokes and and whatever it's tough do you find it like difficult going in and out of that because like the take demands emotion but then as soon as the take's done like you almost have to switch it off and be able to laugh at yourself if you like fuck something up or like i think i'm good at that i'm not good at that many things but i think i am pretty good at like 
being able to shut out certain things in a given moment to either be able to laugh about something or to be able to like all of a sudden just hyper focus on an emotional thing like um it reminds me a little bit of song madness from the last record when princess nokia and i we kind of split off the bridge and i went in there and i don't know i was just like able you said something to me paul mark like you know you basically produced me on that line because whatever you said it it made me pissed off enough to just give you this like the performance were you mad at me or something else no, 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 no. I wasn't mad at no, I wasn't mad at you. I was I was mad at like you you inspired me in a way that I that I was able to channel something that gave me this like Zach Delaroca like rage against the machine vocal. I don't know where the hell it came from and I don't know if I could do it again, but in that moment it did. And it wasn't like I was having a bad day or I was angry or anything. It was just like I was able to just grab something and run with it. And I think that that is like that is important when you're making a, a record because it's not all gloom and doom. Like I'm still excited about fucking souk tabuli like for lunch, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the reality of, of making, of making music is like, it's still fun. Even if you're talking about horrible, horrible experiences and shit you're mad about. Right. Do you, to- I mean, in a way is isn't that like, I sort of feel like with bankrupt, we're like in this kind of, new interesting position where generally speaking our songs have this like sort of uh introspective personal vibe where it's like sort of one person's struggle that we're talking about but bankrupt was this thing that like these were just the lyrics that song are born of conversations like we've all had together you know what i mean like bill and i like would have a lot of zoom drinks and in-person drinks when bubbles were allowed and like we were fucking so mad about how everything was being handled and like yeah all those conversations fueled all of this. So I think maybe, I don't know if it was easier for you to tap into that energy because this is not something that was just like an experience you had that you can't really like relate to other people specifically about or like something I was like, dude, I was feeling this way and I need you to feel that way. It's like, we already all felt like this. Like I remember specifically there's a lyric in that song that I think it was like, maybe, maybe we didn't have the bridge lyrics written and we didn't have the second pre-chorus written, the money talks, but time's going deaf. Yes. And we were like messing around with different stuff like that in that spot. And I remember going for a cigarette and it just like, cause we had just been talking about it so much, like trying to get in that mode. And then like one drag into a cigarette, I was like, I have it. And I came back and it was like money talks, but time's going deaf. Can't buy back the life you spent, destroy or you are become dead. And we were just like, that's fucking it. Like, that's it. And like, that was exciting shit. Cause we were on the same page about like what we were all thinking. Totally. About. I, I mean, and, and here's the thing historically has Silverstein been a political band We've touched on it, you know, like songs like Born Dead and, and a few others over the years. There's There's been moments, but we all care. But I think the biggest thing about it is that we all are pretty much identically politically lined, aligned, um, I think. Probably all voting for the same people. We, you know what I mean? We Generally speaking, we believe the same shit, which probably helps a lot when we're making this kind of for sure but this isn't a a political song along party lines right and that's i think why i felt empowered to do it because like this isn't me or us saying like you know conservatism is bad and liberalism is good or some you know other notion along those lines it's like this is a song like in support of the people and like the working class uh, which like i consider us to be a part of like we can have that debate if we want like but in north america it's like 
Justin Trudeau's in office and Donald Trump's in office, they couldn't be really more opposed to some people, mm-hmm. I guess, on the political spectrum. And like my attitude, I'm sure like most years was at this time, is like, fuck you both for like for sure. neither of you doing a good job of this. So um, I think maybe that's why we didn't get in trouble for it. I think too, you know, back to sort of that idea of the holding pattern of like two weeks to flatten the curve was just the message we were being given for months and months and months and months. And then we sort of got to a point where we were like experiencing this like new normal where like, you know, ourselves being musicians who had spent more than half our lives like playing shows and touring. This was something we weren't we weren't allowed to do. And looking at our friends who are like small business owners who maybe own a bar or a restaurant or a barbershop or a hair salon or a retail store, a record store. These people were all just left out in the cold. And meanwhile, you know, Amazon was thriving and, you know, Walmart was open. Um, You know, the big box stores in Toronto, at least, were open when, you know, our friends, independent stores were uh, forced to close. And here we are. And, you know, people are ordering things on Uber Eats and people are ordering things delivery. There was just this new level of like convenience that was really um, fucking over uh, middle class and small Mm -hmm. businesses. And I think that those conversations that Paul Mark, you know, him, him and I had largely were just like, we're really getting the shit end of the stick here. Um, And I think that's where a lot of this stemmed from. And like everyone was at that time, right? Like the convenience, a premium was placed on and and continues to be now because these are like habits I think we've all learned. That comes at the expense of the people performing the task, right? And like when you order something on Uber Eats, like Uber screws those people, like the delivery drivers. Like, and I mean, you can look at like what, has happened in California with like how they're classified as workers and then what rights they're afforded as a result of that. I forget what proposition it was, but it passed, I believe, and Uber won the right to basically be like, we don't owe you shit and we're not responsible for you in any way. And we don't have to pay you a minimum wage because it doesn't really work like that for you. Um, And then they become dependent on like tips. And it's like, okay, so I have no choice but to order my food on one of those platforms. Everybody working for them is getting screwed and their wages are dependent on me, a person who's not allowed to work right now, tipping really well. Like, meanwhile, Uber gets fat off profit. Like, I know they technically lose money, but like, fuck all that. And the re- the restaurant loses money, too. They have to pay yeah. a fee, right? You know, you're better off ordering from the restaurant directly and having their own driver deliver it or going to get it, honestly. For sure. But that was obviously the expectation that within a week, right. everyone, every restaurant can pivot their business to have their own delivery drivers is unrealistic. And like, it definitely didn't happen. Right. So yeah. I don't know. That's exactly, I mean, I'm getting mad just thinking about it again. So I mean, let's go bankrupt part two. <laughs> let's go. I'm into it. And on that note, that is our first episode of the podcast. Silverstein, the podcast. Uh, you got another one, Josh. This is how the podcasts. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. I like it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Next week, we are going to be talking about the second single from the record, It's Over. And we're going to have special guest producer Sam Guyana. We're going to give him a real hard time. uh, And he's going to tell us all about uh, how annoying we are to work with. But thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Mm